Why, it's nice to see you. <laughs> that sounded creepy. Like you're about to say you'd like to eat my liver with a nice glass of candy. No, I must watch that movie again. <clears throat> Possibly without the children. I haven't seen it for a very long time. I don't know. Oh, do you know what? I don't know that now's the time to watch it. The no, thing that makes me right. think that is yeah. because, so you know when you did your road trip, we mm. saw the wonderful walnut farms of California. You are so unkind. So we're going to spray just... me with Glenn 20 again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were reading some books by a woman called Tana French. Yes, I was. Um, she says defensively, I, wrote, I read five books by her. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Um, and you said she's like a detective sort of, you know, murder mystery. Literary kind. detective yep. fiction. So during the coronavirus pandemic, I've been having some trouble just getting into, as yep. I've previously said, getting into any books. And so I thought, you know what, some Pot boilers and detective type stuff. Maybe that's what I should read. Mm-hmm. So I started reading In the Woods. Yes. The oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, it definitely is holding my interest, and I'm reading. And so thank you for that because it is the only book really that I've been able to sort of good. hold on to. Um, oh God, but it's a bit dark, love. It is a bit dark. Sorry, yeah. This yeah. <laughs> subject matter. Well, it's an it's an Irish kind of yeah child murder. Yeah. You said it. I didn't, you know, necessarily need to say it. But yes. Not sure. Yes. Okay. But it's good. So do the characters... Do you want me to find you something perkier? Uh, Look, I've got... I I think probably what I need to read is what always perks me up, which is a celebrity memoir. I should just go read Rob Lowe's memoir or something. But anyway, I'm going to... I'll persist with that. But can I ask, so... Yes. The two... There's two detectives who are the sort of partners mm-hmm. in it. Yes. Yes. Uh, so when you say you've read five books, is it the same two people that... Negatory. Oh, it's okay. really interesting. Oh. It's always about the Dublin murder squad. Right. But it is from a different perspective every novel. And is it a character that's been referenced in previous novels that it then shifts to the perspective of? I would say that there is overlap but loose overlap. Okay, right. So there are still people... So in book three, there'll be an interaction between one of the principal characters and a detective that you remember from... right. One or whatever. Okay. Yeah. But so I shouldn't get too attached to Cass and whatever the dude's name um, is. You could get attached to Cass. This is like not the end of her. Okay. But um, it's just, I'm not going to give you too much more. Okay. But it is like, as the books go on, it is a, you learn more about the city, you learn more about the murder squad. Okay. Good. Mm, All right. Oh, I'm enjoying techniques. it. So. Yeah. So oh, good. thanks. Wow, that was through gritted fangs, wasn't it? So, thanks. Can I tell you what I'm reading? Yes, you can. I am, you know, it's been a while since I've been so kind of into a novel. Um, And at the moment I'm reading lots and lots of Hansard and research stuff for this project that I'm working on. So I'm taking an occasional break to dip into a novel. Um, And I've got a stack of ones that I'm looking forward to reading, you know, lined up as well. But um, at the moment I'm reading The American Wife by Curtis Sittenfeld. Read it many, many years ago. Right. Yep. See, I. this is so funny because a friend of mine just said, oh, my God, can't wait for Kurt, Curtis Sittenfeld's new novel. And I just sort of went, what? Because why do I'm so – how I read all the time and I'm constantly finding out about authors that everybody else knows about and that I don't. So Curtis Sittenfeld, just never heard you would of have, her. I think you might have been – what years did you live in London? Um, I mean, I'm sure that Curtis Sittenfeld novels were also in London. I was, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> open no, borders. I just, I just asked because it was um, 2002 to 2000. 
six. It was just that she was big when I was living in the States, which was uh, 2001 to 2006. Yeah, Um, right. And so she had a book. I I just asked because the content of her early books was very American. So I just, I don't know if she was big in London. Right, okay. But so she wrote this novel called Prep, um, which was basically about um, a girl who goes to a sort of elite boarding school in Boston. And it was sort of, it was like a, you know, just American college sort of novel, yep. but it got a lot of... Um, I might an American college novel. Yeah, totally. It got a lot of sort of um, traction like, at the yeah. time. And then, um, and I read that because everyone was talking about it at the time. Right. I quite liked it. And then mm. American Wife came out a few Which years Which is the most extraordinary enterprise, really, mm. because its premise is just, I don't know how she got away with it, but it is a novelised account or loosely based around the life of Laura Bush. Yeah, and it um, begins with her childhood. The character isn't called Laura, um, but there are certain um, similarities, right? Like, so this character grows up in Wisconsin, and when she's seventeen, she um, is the person at fault in a car accident in which another person is killed, and that other person is this boy that she is in love with. Um, and, that's, and that's true. That, that is did true. happen to Laura Bush. That yeah. did happen to Laura Bush. Anyway, um, so there's a whole part of the book that is about the grief, this sort of full absorption into grief and self-reproach and her battling her way out of that. She becomes a school teacher and then she meets this guy who's the scion of a, a son of the governor and this sort of comes from a wealthy family she's completely out of her depth but loves him and he's a bit of a drunk and a bit of a knockabout and but then over the course of the book becomes this political figure gets christianity is reborn gives up drinking and then becomes governor and then ultimately president and so but it's such a good book i mean yeah and it's so i mean if you were following it too closely there's a lot of um, George and Laura Bush shagging in it, which could be a bit much for a weak stomach. But it's a great profile or, I guess, a reverie or introspection about what it might be like to go from being a very complex and kind of shuttered person who's gone through a really early um, trauma um, in your life to then becoming hitched to somebody who has a completely different trajectory and she's a Democrat as well. So mm. how do you um, gradually get dragged into the spotlight by your spouse who's a Republican? And how do you manage that? How do you manage your um, uh, genuine handling of your own beliefs with your loyalty to this person who's different from you, who you really love? Well, it was interesting um, in that era um, that I was there, there was always a lot of sort of just, you know, chat about wow, how can Laura Bush be married to him? Because, you know, like all the sort of lefties and, I mean, you know, people people think that, um, people forget now how much the left hated George W. Bush because sure. by contrast to Trump, like he looks like a prince. I know, he seems like there was a real snuggly guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the left absolutely detested him. And so, but she was, you know, a librarian and she had massively high approval ratings and everybody loved her. Mm. And so the left would always be like, well, how could she be married to him? Mm. And so it's almost an extension of the sort of just parlour game of like, oh, geez, how does that work? Um, yeah. That Curtis Sittenfeld's then done to sort of explore it's that. It's really absorbing though. I'm really loving it. I'm near the end now. But And um, so what's her new book? Right. Well, her new book is 
kind of a variation on the theme, I guess. It's called Rodham. It's out in a couple of weeks, um, and I can't wait now to get my hands on it. It is apparently a reimagining of Hilary Rodham's life if she didn't marry Bill. <laughs> Which is also an excellent premise. Like, yeah. such an interesting thing to imagine. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what would have happened there, I wonder? Well, I mean, she's a, a lawyer. completely substantial lawyer and politically ambitious person. But then would she have remained, you know, would she have become, say, a Supreme Court judge or something in the law as opposed to a high-powered New York lawyer as opposed to a politician? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think she would have wound up in politics. I don't know. Anyway, but, it'd be interesting um, to see which way I mean, Curtis takes there's heaps. I mean, there are other political spouses of whom you could say this. I mean, um, Cherie Blair, for instance. You know, when mm. they were first um, going out, they were both seeking pre-selection in Labor seats. Oh, were they? Yeah, right. they were. And they had a deal, which was, which whichever of them... I mean, I seem to rem- I remember this from... Oh, I don't know wouldn't be from Blair's memoir, but I read about it in another book about the two of them. Um, I can't remember exactly where, but they um, had this deal that whomever was successfully pre-selected first for a winnable seat, they would have the political career. Oh, wow. And it ended up being Tony. How amazing. I know. Um, Schladendorf. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to reading that whenever it comes out. Yeah, I think fairly soon. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm loving that book. It's really... By any chance, um, I am going to watch this even though I didn't love the novel. Have you watched any of Normal People on Yeah, I have actually. It's had good word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't like the novel that much? You found it a bit I, too... I found it... Um, I loved it, FYI. I think we had that discussion at the time. I, yep. I found you it You were unbearable. Sort of, I was reasonable. I wondered if I was the wrong demographic because I was just thinking, like, why can't you people just get your shit together? Like, if you, re- you <laughs> seem to really like each other. Dating with Lee Sales. <laughs> get your pants off, people. There you go. I'll be back in 25 minutes. <laughs> Look no, at that, the Sales dating app. <laughs> Oi, you. No. Stop stuffing around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I thought that... that. Oh, give me the phone. I'll call her. <laughs> <laughs> or just occasionally like, nope. Nope, nope, no, nope, absolutely nope. not. Absolutely not. Um, he plays the tuba. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I, is your self-respect? Sorry. Uh, I felt like, um, okay, you two clearly like each other. You clearly got some sort of bond. Why is it all this time like feeling like... Have you never like... read any Irish fiction? Is this just like, what? I mean, yeah. there's got to be chapters full of pointless <laughs> meandering. I mean, that's the no, but I guess also, you know, drama is, as somebody once said, you know, drama is where characters make the exact opposite choice to what would be sensible because otherwise if they just exactly. do everything that's logical, then also you've got no drama. Also in horror movies, right? Exactly. Like, of course, don't go down to that basement on your own, you bloody this idiot. Be a Call the police outside. right now. I'll just go outside in this bikini. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Call the police immediately. Um, no, I just felt sort of like uh, just can you guys stop with the constant misunderstandings and just have a conversation and make everything clear and yeah I found it a little bit frustrating and then I just wondered if my because they're in their 20s I've sort of felt a real generational disconnect as well you just eye rolled and said you millennials no I didn't I didn't it wasn't that I just you're gonna love the tv show (laughs) is it real okay well I I wondered if I how I would the tv show's had good write-ups it has and I've watched a few episodes of it the first thing that I'll say about it is the episodes are just 
disconcertingly short. They're half an oh, hour. And okay. I don't know, maybe because the pace of the plot is so languid, um, every time an episode finishes, I'm like, oh, right. Right. Oh, okay. okay. If the timing of it is at total odds with the with the pace of it. But oh, I mean, it's not okay. bad, I suspect. Right. It's the right decision because an hour of that, you'd probably be falling yeah. asleep. So one of the when I heard that they were making um, a TV series out of it, I thought, well, how? I, I just, I don't know how because essentially everything that happens happens in the characters' heads, right? Like it's, mm. it's really, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of shagging. Mm. But so the story is there's... Um, a girl called Marianne, and she comes from a wealthy family. She's got a brother who hates her. Um, she has busy working parents, and she goes to a school where she's loathed. Um, she's really clever. She's really harsh. She's in the book. She's not very beautiful, but in the movie, in the TV show, she is unbelievably beautiful. Mm, which is what a surprise. one of the tricky things for me because I was like, you know. She's constantly saying people can't bear me, you know, I'm ugly. And you're like, come on, love. I mean, it's just, it's a very strange, but anyway. Yeah. It's not terminal, but it's an issue, I think. And so there's this boy called Connor whose mum cleans the house of Marianne's family. So they kind of see each other after school a bit. And he's um, good at sport, popular, and they kind of become friends and then they become lovers. And because he's so popular, he's very firm in his view that they shouldn't tell anyone at school that they are kind of in love. And she goes along with it because her self-loathing is at a degree where she's okay with that. And then in the book, they then finish high school and they go to university and she kind of becomes much more socially successful and Mm. then the relationship kind of changes again but all of this sort of yearning and guilt and self-loathing and um, delayed self-questioning on his part all happens inside their heads Mm. the only thing that physically happens is that they furtively shag a lot and that is what you get a lot of in the show right it is very explicit so how do they then explain all that inner sort of stuff? Well, there's dialogue um, between the main characters and the girl who plays um, Marianne does an unbelievably good job. I mean, as I said, she's incredibly beautiful, but she's a great actor. I mean, the, the Daisy fact Edgar that she's Jones. beautiful is so problematic because that's such a key part of the novel is that she's really quite plain and that well, he likes her because she's different to everyone else because he really yeah. finds her brain appealing. Well, in the TV show, she is prickly and the fact that she's allegedly flat-chested seems to come up. It seems to be the only, you know... <laughs> She's flat-chested. Anyway, she is prickly and so people avoid her or, you know, anyway, I mean, it's it's tricky. The, but the, the really um, interesting thing that they do is they use sex a lot, right? And it's quite... I read this article, I think, in The Guardian about um, the fact that they engaged an intimacy consultant because oh, yeah. the sex scenes are a massive part of their communication because really that's... Most of the time when they're meeting, they're shagging. Um, right. And it's quite successful in that sense. I mean, Jeremy and I watched the first two episodes together and then he, and he's like, oh, my God, what the, this is just like a Mills and Boone kind of like, this is like a <laughs> Sweet Valley High thing or is something. Is it like Twilight? 
Um, there's no vampires. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've only watched a couple of episodes, but I mean, unless it's departed massively from the book, I don't think there's. <laughs> but you know, um, so he was quite disparaging about it, and then I got a bit huffy because I thought, well, actually, because he's like, "What's the book like? Is it this rubbish?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, because I always read rubbish books." You jerk. No, I love Jeremy. Um, he's so good. Uh, and then the next day he went, oh, "I think I was a bit harsh on that show." I'm like, "Yes, I think you were." But yeah, it is. Um, it is. There's not a huge amount happening except the drama between them. But I must admit, like, it is, it's quite an interesting drama. And it is about um, these sort of brutal notions of shame and what can and can't work when you're in high school, right? Like, this yeah. guy actually thinks that it's okay because everybody else hates this girl yeah. for him to treat her like absolute dirt, even though he really does love her and yeah. tells that he loves her and he loves her company. And... Actually, it's his mother who really tips him off that he's treating her badly. But because of the context, which is that everybody at school is awful to her Mm. and he's nice to her in private, Mm. it never really occurs to him properly that his continued failure to engage with her publicly or even defend her publicly when she's verbally abused by people at school is a moral failure. And that she's so starved for affection that she accepts We'll that. put up with that, yeah. 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 Um, no, I will definitely have a look at it. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at your face, it's just not certain at all. But anyway, <laughs> no, however, you could just revert to Lego Masters. Uh, I know that you're loving that. I love Lego Masters. Um, yeah, my kids love Lego Masters. Look, Does it I, worry I, you that they love it more than your own show that's on at the same time? Um... No, they're allowed to. They're allowed to love Lego Masters. What about me? Am I allowed to not watch your shows so that I can watch MasterChef? I tolerate that. Yes, but I'll tolerate it for Lego Masters. But um, I don't watch you live either. um, Yeah, I don't watch anything live. I must admit. Uh, So Lego Masters, I really love because. Firstly, I mean, I wasn't a massive player of Lego when I was a kid. I wasn't, like, obsessed by it. But, mm. you know, we had it, of course, like everybody did, and um, I enjoyed it. And it, so it does – it pushes a few nostalgia buttons when you watch it. But what I love about it is um, that it's one of the few shows I can recall ever seeing on TV that genuinely just celebrates the fact that human beings are really unique and some of them are really different. Yeah. And it doesn't – it's nothing to do with what anyone looks like or it's not yep. manipulating their emotions or their relationships or anything like that. Um, and it, it's quite heartwarming because it does remind you that no matter how weird you are and if you're 33 and you live in a flat that's just covered in Lego because that's what you're into, probably out there somewhere is someone that you can be buddies with who yep. also lives with a dungeon full of Lego and that you guys will get on great and you'll have a buddy and you'll that's all you'll talk about. And So it's quite heartwarming because you sort of think, well, Pete, no matter how odd you are, there's sometimes a little tribe of people out there for you and you just connect in with them. I one, The couple of things that I love about it, one is Hamish Blake, who is oh, lovely. Uh, just an outstandingly good piece of casting to host that show because... He's got an element of kid about him, but he's also extremely sharp in his sort of postmodern observations of the show that they're making. <laughs> and it's it's exactly the right vibe because it takes what could be a kind of like, you know, kind of 
childish enterprise with the um, teams. They don't do a lot of backstory, so you don't get that MasterChef thing where, you know, I've got to do this for my grandma or anything like that. It's just like, here's two friends. They really love building. Let's make them build. That, yep. And it all happens in the one, you know, um, warehouse space. They don't get, you know, use of the garden. or like, They don't go to sort of some Lego shop in um, regional Victoria to do... Um, renaissance style lego or anything like that <laughs> it's all in the one place and all you've got is these people with their lovely complicated friendships you watch them being put under pressure for 12 hours but there is this very very it's a competition but it's not you know incredibly knocked down drag out they're, no. they're good to each other mm. and you have this lovely host sort of popping in and out um in the form of hamish blake who's a very 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 funny and um is a master of pace with his observations. Yeah, he's great. And then he has this offsider called who's known as Brickman, whose real name's Ryan. Um, Brickman is the like Lego expert who yep. I think is a guy who works full time in Lego. Um, and he goes around giving some tips and a bit of advice and a bit of encouragement and so forth. But he's so sweet because when they do, you know, in a normal reality show when they do eliminations, it's quite <laughs> ruthless. Oh, he's just always in tears because he's just really upset that somebody has to leave. And he's, he's just, just adorable. Absolutely cannot cope can he no he just yeah. seems so lovely he hates hurting anyone's feelings yeah. that they've got to leave or that their lego build wasn't up to scratch so yeah the whole it's show makes show. me feel really just warm inside it's lovely also just watching the kids absolutely go berserk is fantastic because it's tense you know they're trying to finish their challenging build of a giant spider and make it hang from the ceiling and whatever and there's 30 seconds to go and you know that, that thing where kids forget themselves and they're like jumping up and down on the sofa kind of in this physical agony of suspense as to whether this is actually going to pan out. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, and the little ones that they're sort of rooting for and who their favourites are and stuff like that yeah. is, is, um, is really good. Um, I watched better than it, 7.30, isn't it, really? I well, mean, I mean, I've said to Justin, the executive producer, I mean, do you think we could get some Lego builds in there just sure. to increase the tension? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, rev up our audience between just 11 have a Lego build happening in the corner. <laughs> While we're on, you've got 29 minutes and 30 seconds to build a replica Annabelle the Palace crab. of Versailles. Yeah. Oh, it was really hard to do her hair. I mean, oh, well, <laughs> look at the job they've done there using those bricks. Um, I watched one episode of a show called Almost Australian because I interviewed Miriam Margulies this oh, week. Oh, right, yeah. It? Um, it's basically her going on a 10,000 kilometre two month road trip around Isn't Australia. Is that what she's always doing? I've got to admit, I've never watched a single thing she's done. Oh, really? She's always just pottering around meeting mad people and being slightly madder than them. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that is what she's doing. It made me want to do a road trip from Adelaide to Darwin, I must say. Oh, God, we're doing a road trip from Adelaide to Darwin, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. You'd be totally excited about it, right up to the point where we had to actually go, and then you'd be like... (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I'd be like, this is so I don't want to see anyone... (laughs) I'm going straight to my eyes. I'm just going to stay in the car. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the car while you go meet those quirky people over yeah. there. Just let me know when we're done. Um, no, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be great. All the little roadhouses come with that a they thousand jars at. of marmalade, though. Oh, that'd make that'd you happy. Be awesome. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It's really amazingly shot, and she's got a real knack of people just like her and yeah, warm to course. her, and so they chat to her really nicely. So yeah, it was good. But it's a little bit melancholy watching it because clearly it was filmed before of all of this lockdown mm. palaver, and you're watching it thinking, "Geez, it's going to be a long time before anyone can fly you from overseas and do a trip like that." Right, and isn't it quick? Isn't it amazing how quickly your sense of what's okay and not okay is readjusted mm. to COVID. Like, I think I said, 
I told you about a couple of weeks ago hearing some people talking really loudly in a group of three people outside our house and I was just like, yeah. oh, God, that's weird, you know. Yeah. Um, just the sound or the sight of people gathering together is just so jarring. Yeah, it seems weird. I went to a friend's place on the weekend, Gwen, and uh, it was just with my kids, like that, that was the rules, you were allowed to visit somebody. And uh, even though it was completely legal, it did have a sense of it like... Was a thrill? Yeah, like, oh, is this... Is this naughty? Um, is this illegal? What's going on here? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I've. Have you got anything else to talk about? Um, not really. I mean, work. I. I'm. Uh, yeah. I've got to go back to my 1890s. Oh yeah, you hand don't even side. want to be here. You just. I don't be, really want to be here. You just want to be deep in the weeds of your ancient hands. I do. Do you want to give me a final spray of Glen Twenty before we? Uh... All right. <laughs> You're good. Good to go. Go in peace. <laughs> All oh, right, all right. <laughs> Whoa, it smells like a toilet in Open here now. We <laughs> <laughs> put one of those dangly pine tree things as well. Are you enjoying Chat Tan Looks 3? If you do enjoy our company, uh, you can interact on a just a dizzying array of online platforms. You can go to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, where you'll have the, all the show notes from every show we've ever done. Thanks, Brenda. Uh, there's also um, a little link through to uh, a bookshop called Bedside Table, where you can purchase, if you'd like, any of the books that we've talked about in the podcast. You can also find merch if Gwen has been up to her terrible tricks and um, putting together diabolically hilarious merchandise. Can you make this a bit snappier? It's going to take us over the 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Are you for real? Anyway, uh, you can catch us on Instagram, on Twitter, or join the Facebook group, which is, well, that's just uh, something um, completely else indeed. (laughs) 